Peter Mutabazi is a businessman, influencer, foster dad, ambassador for World Vision, and has a pretty incredible story. As a child, Peter ran away from an abusive home in Uganda to live on the streets in Kampala. He was helped by the kindness of strangers as a child, and so as an adult, he found himself in a position of being able to help foster children. So he began taking children into his home years ago to give back what was so freely given to him. Today, he is an advocate for foster agencies, runs a successful business flipping homes, and more importantly, he is an overcomer on a mission to help kids who have been overlooked and forgotten to overcome. I cannot wait for you to hear my conversation with Peter Mutabazi. To overcome means to defeat or prevail over. To succeed in dealing with a problem or difficulty. To overpower, conquer, vanquish, and triumph over opposition. We are all overcomers. In season three of Man Camp, we are sharing the stories of men who faced trials head on, overcame, and came out on the other side strengthened by the journey. Join us as the hope found in these stories move us to action, to risk, find courage, step out again, and embrace our call as overcomers. Join the camp. This episode has been brought to you by our sponsors at World Vision. And as you're going to hear in this next interview, our partners are doing incredible things. This story is just one more example of that. They're making this podcast and all the podcasts on the Jesus Culture Podcast Network possible. So all you have to do to find out more about how to partner is text the word man camp to 56170. You can sponsor a child today. And as you're going to see, the impact is profound. Thank you, World Vision. Well, I am so excited for this conversation for several reasons today. As you heard, our guest Peter Mutabazi from Uganda and now uh, travels really all over the world in the U.S. is a part of uh, the amazing organization World Vision that we partner with, and I'm excited for this uh, this episode for for several reasons. One, I I love your story. I've uh, this is the first time we're meeting, but I've got to read and hear just the pieces of what God has done in your life. And I love stories because it captures so much, even more than a message or whatever it is, you know, we get to see God in that. And then also, I mean, you, you guys are going to get to hear not just through Peter's life and what God did in his life, but what God's doing through him continually and what we're a part of. And and being a part of what World Vision is doing, which is amazing. So I also, I've been to Uganda, which is where you're, where you're from, and we've heard, we'll hear this in your story. I've been to Uganda several times, and it's got a special place in my heart. So, man, I'm just excited. So, Peter, thank you for being here with us today. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, not, now you've been more than five times in Uganda. We should give you a Ugandan name. You know, you're, you're my brother. Look different, but I think now you're family. If you've been to Uganda more than twice, we always consider you to be native. So oh, I'll take it. I love it. You know what I miss the most? I love chapati. That's one of my favorite, uh, the, the chapati bread. Oh, it's so good. And that's what I miss as well. The one thing I could make, uh, you know, eat every day. I think that chapati, I, I, I miss that terribly. <laughs> I want to ask you several questions, but I think the best place to start today in this interview would just be, could you start with sharing your story? Obviously, we're gonna. You, you, we heard a little bit in the intro about what you're doing now and how God's using you. But 
How did this story start as, as a child in Uganda and what you faced and overcame? You know, I'll need about a week to explain about my life, but I'll try to be brief, you know. But of course, I come from the poor of the poorest. You know, it, it's hard to explain in words what poverty means. But think about, like, you are a mom and you get to have a baby, but you cannot give him a name because you're afraid he would die, you know? Yeah. And so I didn't have a name until when I was two years old. Why? Because for every 100 children who were born in my, in my village, 60% of them would die before the age of two. So most moms won't name their kids because they were afraid that they will lose them before, uh, you know, they could get to the age of two. So at the age of two, I got to be called a gift given us by God, you know? So that's a little bit of my, my background. But also on the other side that we had no future at all. Like I grew up in a place where no one ever told me to dream, you know? It's hard for a mom if she cannot find food for a day to feed their kids to somehow go home and say, you have a future, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, I didn't hear that. Uh, and then at the age of four, I began to realize that not only were poor, but I also had the most abusive dad you could think of. So for me, I had poverty on one side that literally, you know, we're lucky if we had beans. We're lucky if we could have beans and potatoes, you know. Uh, and that wasn't assured. That's not something that we got every day, that we got it maybe every other day. And then on the other side, the person that should love you the most was my worst enemy. So for me, had you told me to dream? No, I didn't want to dream. Had you told me to think I had a future? Because for me, the future was, the views I saw today was what I would go see the next day. So in some way, the future wasn't something I really wanted to look at. So that's my little bit of my background that, you know, poverty, abusive, and all that you could think of as a kid, I got to experience from the age of zero to the age of 10. Well, at 10, uh, you know, I could not take the abuse anymore. So I, I, I woke up one day and I ran away and became a street kid. And not only did I run away 20 miles away, you know, I ran away 500 kilometers away and I ended up in Kampala and became a street kid wow. from there. And so that's a little bit of background of my life that, you know, life was miserable in every way, shape, form. Uh, I could imagine, you know, but then on the streets, you know, on the streets, it was a little bit different. The abuse was worse than what it was home, but at least there were people who did not know me. The people were strangers, people I'd never seen before. So in some way, it wasn't as severe or hateful as my own father, uh, I think. So, you know, uh, and that became my life for four years um, of living as a street kid uh, in Kampala. Wow. And so how did that change or what was the the point where things turned around as you're, you know, going through this. Most people, you know, maybe one of the things you face, most people would, would never have faced, you know, one or two and you, and you live this day in and day out. So when, when did the, your story change and, and things begin to turn around? Right. So as a street kid in Kampala, you know, we didn't, we didn't beg for money, you know, because think about like no one made a dollar a day so that you don't beg for, but you work for it. And as street kids, it was easiest to steal while you're working, you know? Mm -hmm. So one day I've been on the street for about four years and I saw a gentleman, he was buying food and I, I wanted to help him so he can me food, but also it was easier to steal it while I was helping. So before I could take it, he gave me something to eat. So I saw him once, I saw him second time, third time, fourth time, you know, he would come every two weeks and, you know, the fourth time you kind of know what he drives, what he buys. And, he, you know, in some way I knew he was so kind to me. And so he did this for one year and a half. And then finally, 
uh, one day he said, hey, Peter, if you had an opportunity to go to school, would you go to school? And I was like, ah, wait, go to school? You know, Um, it wasn't like I think about like when your life is hopeless, when you you live in a place where you never think yourself as normal as any other human being, that you're less of a human being. And someone comes along and says, hey, if you have an opportunity to go to school, would you go to school, you know? And that's something he gave me as a, not as a choice, but to choose, like, I can feed you every day, but also I can take you to school. Which one would you like to do, you know? Wow. (laughs) So you probably hadn't even thought of it as an option, right? Not at all. The school piece, yeah. You know, school for me was for the wealthy. School was for the the lucky ones. You know, like I wasn't good enough to be able to school. But also I had grown up from a place where you're told you're horrible. You never amount to anything. You begin to believe those words. Uh, you're nobody. You'll never be anything. And and so when this came, I was like, hmm, are you sure? You know, but this is what he did. He told me about school. But he also said at school, I will have three meals. You'll have lunch, breakfast, and dinner. So for me, was Food. That's all I had. I didn't hear about school, but I had about food. But because he'd fed me for a year and a half, there was a little bit of trust for me to say, you know what? I can go to school if he says so. And so that's the guy. That's the man that truly changed my life. Wow. And it just turned things around. You, 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 you write in some of your story. I mean, basically he saw you. He heard you. You basically saw that you're, there is a way out. You're not alone anymore. Absolutely. Well, but also when he saw, I mean, in my in my view, in my life, I, I was nobody. I, there was nothing in life that I had to strive for. But for him, he saw a little boy who had potential, you know, mm. he saw more in me than I saw in myself. And I think that's why he was willing to offer me school. I think he knew that in some way, this kid has a potential and I cannot deny him that. Oh, I would do my best to give him the opportunity to see him really thrive. And that's what he changed my life. I went to school. I did well in school. I went to university in Uganda. I went to school in England. I went to school in the United States. Not because I was smart. No, because of the kindness of a stranger who did not know me. Wow. And lived in me every day. Wow. It's incredible. And so fast forward to now, and we'll, we'll talk even more about, there's many things that you're a part of that are just amazing. But a common thing that at least stands out to me is your heart as a father. And really, I think it's the father heart of God, which is so beautiful because in your own life as a young boy, your father who was abusive and did not call out life in you and do the things that a good father should do, in turn, your story, you, you embody that. Like I, you know, you, you reach out. I mean, we'll we'll talk about um, Anthony who you adopted, but you carry that heart. And there's so many men that are listening. I think we overlook so, it's so easy to overlook the impact for us as men and um, as fathers and what we can declare, call out. And it's, it's not complicated. It's simple. (laughs) And you, you know, you were robbed of that basic truth of how father should be and, you know, safety and provision and calling out destiny, but it, God redeemed and restored that. And so, uh, you know, can you can you speak to even why maybe obviously you were given a lot, but what changed in your heart to where you were filled so much to represent really a father's heart naturally and what you do, and we'll talk about that, but also really the heart of God, 
the father heart of God towards so many. You know, I think the stranger for me demonstrated that he he really embodied what a, the father I longed to be. That he treated me like I was a special kid. He gave me every little thing that I never had. He gave me hope. He he showed me. He didn't even teach me or tell me about Jesus, but he lived it. You know, for me on how he carried himself, on how he loved me, and how he wanted the best for me. Every day I sat and say. What is wrong with this man? You know, <laughs> uh, and in some way, I think he filled that gap where I was longing for a dad or a, a dad that I wished to have, someone who would hear me, someone who would feel that who would tell me I matter or I am known, and he's a stranger doing so for me, uh, and so that changed for me. But but also, I think I wanted to be a different dad. You know, that I had the worst dad. In some way, I knew what I longed for, that if I ever became that dad, I would want to be that dad, the dad I wished I had, you know, but also that this man truly demonstrated what a true father should be, you know? Some people ask me like, you know, do you find it difficult to understand God as a father? I'm like, no, not at all. It's never been an issue for me because the man who took me in demonstrated that for me, you know? So that good. He didn't he didn't know who I was. He didn't know my last name. He didn't know where I came from. But somehow he saw me as a little boy who he could love, care for, and give an opportunity to know that they are known, that they belong. Uh, and that changed my life forever. But also I think he, you know, sometimes in life, I wanted to use my past as a best way or as a foundation to do better for others, you know? Yeah. Uh, that I truly, uh, I didn't want to use you know, I think sometimes we hold on to the past and use it. Wow, wow, me. Wow. To me, like I want it to be different. That I wanted to use my past experience in order to change my own life, but also for the kids that will come into my life. And and that's truly, you know, in some way, what really inspired me uh, to be the dad I I could be. I'm not the best dad, yeah. but at least I, I try. It's crazy too because I think maybe we overcomplicate it sometimes. But in your own story. It was just moments that, you know, choosing, here's, here's some food, here's school, here's uh, speaking hope and destiny or life over you. And these little moments led to and begin to build and create and change the course of your life. You know, there's stats that 60%, I read this on um, your webpage, that 60% of adults have experienced at least one traumatic event in their childhood. And we're going to talk about this specifically because it's part of your story. There's over 400,000 children in the U.S. in foster care. Like kids, not just, you know, you, you grew up in Uganda where, you know, there's, uh, there's poverty everywhere, in, anywhere you go. And, and ultimately, kids often are the ones that suffer the most from it. But you, you took these moments, <laughs> received and encountered something that then now you began to live out. And can you talk about, you know, Anthony, who's your son that you adopted? Um, because it's so powerful because you, you said, hey, I, I want this to motivate me and what I'm going to do, how I'm going to live my life. My past won't be an excuse for what I do or don't do. And you have more <laughs> than, than done that. But Anthony, who is your son that you adopted, was one of those statistics. He was in the foster care system and, you know, basically had encountered some similar things that you had. Uh, different nations, same same pattern. Can you can you share that part of the story? Absolutely. You know, so when I came to the United States, I found out about, you know, foster care. And I think I was really struggling, you know, 
for me, Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much is required. God has given me a home to stay. Here, I'm a single guy and have two extra bedrooms. Like, how do I call it a, a blessing when I'm just blessing myself, you know? But also, I really struggled you know, watching the life would like we would have kids in the neighborhood who have nowhere to stay, but yet we would have five bedroom house. I'm like, how do I, you know, I think coming from Africa where, you know, we're very communal. We have no, uh, you know, we have no human resource system, but we depend on each other, you know, that I think for me, I wanted to change life for kids here, that I wanted to have a home where I can say, it's going to be okay, you know? Uh, that I'm not the best. I don't have everything I, I can do, but I'm going to practice what someone did for me, that this person, I had the worst traumas you could think. I had the worst behaviors, but he didn't see that. He saw a kid with potential. The same here for me that I knew, yes, the false care comes with, uh, the system is broken, but sometimes to really look on the other side and say, there's a human being on the other side, yeah. but also to know that that was my responsibility, you know, that this person made me feel I was enough. He made me feel I was a gift. He made me feel I was brave, that I wanted to do the same for kids here in the United States. You know, of course I was saying also when I walked in, you know, I was like, I, I would like to mentor kids. They're like, well, have you ever thought of being a faucet? I was like, I don't think I qualify. I'm single. They're like, oh no, singles can be faucet parents. Wow. And so that day I signed up and since then I've had 14 kids, 16 kids. Right now I have four and adopted uh, Anthony. So it's truly been a joy. But as you said, for me, looking back on my own life and being able to use the little glimpse of hope that I didn't have in some way to speak that to my kids, sometimes who feel hopeless or who feel unloved or who feel they are not special, who feel that they are not seen, that I can do that for them and truly share, but also not hide from my past. I think my kids love me or feel comfortable being home because I always say, I was one of you, you know? Wow. When you steal, I, I, I did it every day for a life, but I had to let it go because someone saw more in me than that, you know? Uh, and, and so it's truly been a joy. And, and yes, for Anthony, you know, when Anthony came to my life, I was supposed to have him for a weekend, you know, because he was in the hospital and they needed someone who can have him. You know, I was like, look, I can, I can be there for a weekend. Sure. And as soon as he walked in, he looks at me and I told him, my name is Peter. He's like, yeah, but can I call you my dad? You know? And I, I mean, wow. I was like, oh, man. wait a minute. How old, <laughs> how old was he at that time? He was 11. He was okay. 11, you yeah. know? And he just walked in and looked at me. He's like, you know, but can I call you my dad? And I was like, wait, what? Me? You know? And I said, no. <laughs> I said, no, no, no. You can't call me dad. And the reason why I said no was, I think at that moment, I realized that he was looking for a dad and I was afraid that I was going to mess it up, you know? Mm. Uh, I think I went back like, I don't want to be my dad. I hope I'll be the dad he's looking for. So for a moment, I said, I don't think I, that's right, you know? Yeah. But then on Monday, as they came to pick him up, I really wanted to know his story. And that's when I realized that, look, you know, I think my life went, he was 11 and I was 10 when I left home and looking at him wondering, where would he go? You know, when I asked the social worker, I said, he has no family. So we were looking for a group home. And I was like, look, you know, he's already called me dad. How can I say no? Uh, and right then, then, you know, he's been with me. Uh, now for almost <laughs> almost four years, so it's wow. been truly a blessing. Yeah. It's so crazy too because the same. I mean, he was you were ten and he was eleven. Like you probably saw a lot of yourself in him. It, it, the same age, you know, going through some of the similar, 
pains that you had faced and then overcame. It's amazing that you were able to invite him into this place of hope, which is so powerful. Absolutely. But also so that God used him to kind of really remind me what I'd signed up for, you know, yeah, to be a dad uh, to the list of these, to be a dad to those who are looking for one. Uh, and I could not deny him that. And it's been the greatest, best decision I can say. That's incredible. You know? How, yes. What would you say to the fathers that are listening, you know, um, just about the significance of, of this role, this privilege to represent a part of the heart of God? to their sons or their daughters, or even you know, your, your story is so inspiring because you didn't wait. You just said, Hey, uh, you know, I'm a single guy. I'm going to, fo- I'm going to foster. And then you ended up adopting. But what, what would you say to the men that are listening in any of these um, places about the significance of this invitation to represent God's heart to people? For dads, I would say, you know, I think at first I used to think, what do I have? What do I have to be a dad? And then I realized that I, all I had to be was to be present, you know? Mm-hmm. And my kids, when we wrestle at night or play card games, like that's their best night. And then I was like, man, it's so easy. They want, you know, they want snacks, they want to play. And that's all I can be as a dad. Uh, so I think I realized that sometimes I was putting effort on things that didn't matter to them. Yes, I have to bring food at home. Yes, they have to have shelter. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes we forget the simple basic things in life. That that's what they're looking for, you know? A dad that I can rely on. A dad when I fail, he'll say, you got his son, you know. Mm-hmm. A dad when he's not sure where he's going, the user dad can say, you know, you're not alone. I'm going to come alongside uh, you. When you're questioning about who you are, I'm going to remind you of who you are as my son. So sometimes I think we think of the big things, the trips, the, you know, how many times can we go to Disney? Sure. <laughs> but I think I found for me the yeah. wrestling in you know, watching their silly movies or them trying to teach me how to play a video game that I, to this day, I cannot do. <laughs> that truly, the instance of being a dad, you know? The simple things. It's so good. Simple things. Oh. So tell me about this. Um, I was looking on your Instagram. Uh, you use this phrase, foster dad flipper. I love that. Can you tell me about that? Right. So, you know, I had a job where I had to travel so much. So, you know, I knew being a single dad that I needed to have a job that would make me, you know, less travel, but also be there for my kids. So real estate was the best thing I could do. So I was like, I'm going to be a dad and flip houses. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I do part-time, you know, for sure. But it was just a joy for me that I would bring my kids at a job site and they help me do this, but but more really be part of their their lives that I need a job where I can be there for them. A job where I can also flip them in some way, like, you know, that they get to go back home. But in some way, when we flip a house, we make it better for someone else to live in. So the same way I look at my kids like, look, you know, uh, you're about to go home. So what's the best I can flip around you to make sure that wherever you go, you feel better, you feel loved, you feel you belong, that you know you are loved at some point, you know. That's that's kind of powerful. And especially for someone who, you know, you lived on the streets for years in Uganda, and now you're flipping homes and helping people find home. Man, talk about full redemption and what God's done in your life. <laughs> so, Oh, cool. man, yes. Everything I would say, you know, there's nothing in my power, anything I can say. That, uh, Peter, I did this. No, but by his grace and mercy, that he gave me an opportunity in life to 
to be. And I think that's where for me being a dad maybe comes more in a serious way. You know, too much is given, mm. much so is required. Mm-hmm. You know, that for me, when I get to present that kid to Jesus, w- would I say I did the best I can? For me as a man or as God requires me to be, you know, yeah. that really has really helped me to be, to truly be um, a dad I could be. You know, I used to be a clean freak, you know, things would be arranged the way they are. But then I realized like my boys love to be messy, you know, mm-hmm. that they will find joy in being who they are. And and I let go of that. And I realized just how my I had to remove my own self in order to truly understand the joy of being a dad. And that's truly been been amazing. So good. Well, tell me, how did you get connected with World Vision? We we've been so honored to partner with this incredible organization. How did you um, get connected in with World Vision? And in, in just a little bit, I want to talk about Chosen, but I, I'd love to hear how the connection started with you and this uh, incredible organization that's impacting kids like where you were at all over the world. It's amazing. Right. So for me, I know World Vision in two different ways. One, from home and then here. So while I was growing up, World Vision really changed the lives of my people in my village, you know? Yeah. I mean, as I said, 60% of the kids would die due to dirty water or malaria, you know, all things that really were preventable. But World Vision came in and put in a reservoir for water and, you know, our kids and our nieces and uncles and grandparents got to really have clean water. So I got to see the impact they were making in my village and how they were changing lives. Not just my my own family life, but everyone in the community. But also how they did not select. They weren't they looked out the kids, but everyone that was included in the child's life, that they made sure that they provided for them in order to protect every child, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, that really impacted my world, you know? My, my, the man who uh, adopted me or who took me in also worked for World Vision. So wow. I got to really know how they work in the field. So when I came to the United States and, you know, and, you know, three, four years ago, and they said, hey, would like to work for them. I was like, absolutely, because I understand World Vision two different ways as a beneficiary from that field, but also my nieces and nephews and my village has benefited. And then here to truly be an ambassador for World Vision. So it's really been amazing uh, to be able to speak on behalf of those kids because that's kind of what someone did for me, that he saw a kid and he said, I have resource. I'm going to say he has a potential and give him an opportunity to be who he can be and change my life. And I think World Vision sponsors, that's what they do, to truly say, I have resource, but I will entrust local people to do the best to impact their kids. And I think that's what I love about World Vision. That's amazing. So you've seen the impact from almost every angle and what World Vision is doing all over the world and, and specifically in your own life as a kid. And now on the other end, you're you're getting to be a part of that. But you, man, that's powerful. I did not know that piece of your story. That's incredible. Well, well I want to talk just for a moment about Chosen because we've been partnering with them. Um, I was just, I was looking at my email as we we're talking because um, our family is sponsoring a child and we just... Um, started to be a part of the the chosen program which is so cool because it's you know children get to choose who will be a part of bringing hope not only to their life basic needs like you were talking about things you faced but then also impact their whole community it's it's powerful and so i was i was just looking at my website because basically 
we were chosen um, a child, a, a little boy from Rwanda, handpicked us as their sponsor. So we're we're early into the process, but this is so cool. I mean, I've had the privilege of traveling to different nations as well and seeing the impact of what World Vision and uh, programs like Chosen would be doing. And so I just, um, you know, as many of you know, as you've been listening to this season, this is so much bigger than just, hey, um, you know, do this good act or, you know, uh, it's some cause or things we we mix in. We talk about sponsorship and things like that. But this is, I mean, I, I, it's one of the reasons why I wanted you to share your story. Like this has transformed not only your life, but it's been multiplied in hundreds and hundreds of others because your life was changed. Talk about fruit. Talk about impact when we take one simple act, one simple step, and then it not only changes a person's life, it changes their community, but it changes countless others. It's incredible. And so uh, we, we are so honored to be a part of that. And um, I, I just, because I have you here and I know you're very um, familiar with, you've lived this, and this is something that you get to be a part of um, advocating for all over. Uh, from your perspective, can you even share how you've seen how um, specifically Chosen, as well as this sponsorship, not only in your own life, you're seeing firsthand in different parts of the world how transformative this is and how simple it is? Right, absolutely. And that's why I told you my story from the beginning. Like, I didn't, I could never choose a meal. I could never, cho- I didn't have shoes until when I was 16 years old. I never had a Peps when I, until when I was 14. So you can see that I couldn't even choose a name because my life wasn't sure that I would make it to the age of two. So think of that kid and think of that mother and think of that dad and that community. And now you fast forward. And then you go to Chosen, which is kind of like the most brilliant thing World Vision has ever done. Totally. Basically, think about when that man said, Peter, you, you can choose. I can give you food every day or you can go to school. It's your call. Think about the dignity he gave me. Think about the, the I don't know, the pride as a human being he gave me to say, Peter, I want you to make the choice. I'm not choosing that for you, that you do that for you. So for us as Americans who live here, for you to be humble and say, I don't know who you were, but I want to give a little boy, a little girl who sometimes feel there's no hope to say, it is your opportunity to choose who you want to come to your home. Think the impact that, even just that act of saying, you can choose the American to come in your home. You're the one to pick up. There's 20 of them. There's a hundred of them, but it's in your hands to cho- think about the dignity. Think about the joy. Think about the pride that brings at home, but also for that kid. I mean, it, it changed my life because he said, your choice, you, you can, you know, you choose. Pick, I yeah. could choose could not choose a meal. So you're giving the amazing opportunity they never dreamed to have, to have opportunity to choose who can carry them through life. Think how that is impactful. Come on. It's so good. Yes. It's so good. Also, but I, I, I'm a chosen child uh, sponsor as well. For me, the humbling to know that my kid, that I had no right to choose them, that on their end, I had the resource, but it was their opportunity to say, Peter, we want you to come home. We want you to be part of our family. How that really, really humbled me in ways that I can never really explain, mm. you know? 
because yeah. sometimes when we have resources like, well, I got money, what do you need? What do you need? Uh, but really how they are, it moved it more to like, it's not about resource, but it's about invitation and letting the most vulnerable be the one to have the right to say, I want you to be part of my home. To me, as an African who grew up from never having one thing to choose in life, man, that one act, she will change. It changed my life. I'm right here, you know, but it would change the lives of kids in ways that we could never write. We could never explain in, in a godly way uh, that I feel World Vision is really doing, giving us opportunity to humble ourselves, but also to give opportunity to someone who never had an opportunity to say, wow, you're really letting me be the one to choose you. And I think that will impact mm, so good. the nations, the communities for the rest of their lives. I love it. You know, and this season of Man Camp, one of the th- our theme has been overcoming. And just listening to your story, um, not only have you overcome so much, but now you're helping other people overcome. And uh, as 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 you're talking, you know, just about this power of the the choice we give a child. Really, this isn't charity. This isn't, you know, so often I think people try to motivate others to do good things out of guilt or obligation. But this is one of the most Christ-like, father, like father heart of God things we can do because we're we're opening a door for others to overcome and to be transformed and to be multiplied. And that's the kingdom. And so for those of you that are listening, we've, we've talked about this a lot on uh, this season, but um, if you want to be a part of this, this thing we're talking about called Chosen, it's really, really simple. Um, it's $39 a month. You just text the word Mand Camp. It's all one word, no space, to the number 56170. So it's Mand Camp to 56170. Uh, like I said, my, my family, we are sponsoring. We just started the process of being part of the Chosen program, and we were chosen, and we're so, we're so honored. But I, I just, I love what you said earlier, Peter, that it's the simple things that we do. That, that are the most profound as, as, as men that are listening as a father or even for any of us as we're looking at what are things we can do to give back, to transform, to demonstrate, not just talk about the kingdom of God. And this, I, I think, is one of the most powerful things we can do is impact a child future generations and their community. So I want to encourage you guys to, uh, to check that out. Go to the World Vision website. Um, text If you text this in, you'll get more information. It's, it's an amazing process. I've gone through it myself. Peter, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. I am, I am so inspired and blown away. And I was already in on this thing uh, as we've been partnering with World Vision and Chosen, but I feel like my perspective has just been opened up to a whole nother level of just the impact that we can be a part of in, in not just uh, our nation, but the nations and in, in people's lives. So thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and God will use it. Like, I don't think the man who, who, who gave me that choice, you know, I don't think he knew how far I would go, but he, he you know, he, he, he didn't see how many thousands of kids will be sponsored or 16 kids that I get to be a dad to, you know, yeah. Uh, but by just being uh, kind and by just, you know, following God's, you know, God's command and say, you know what, you know, I, I have been given and that it's my opportunity to truly share with those that don't have the most vulnerable. Yeah. He loves the most. Yes. It's so good. So actually I want to encourage you guys um, because uh, Peter, 
is uh, has an amazing story. You can actually uh, follow him on Instagram at Foster Dad Flipper, and um, you can see uh, more of his story and journey as well. As a, there's a website uh, called uh, it's nowiamknown.com, and you can get more information about what Peter's doing and even more uh, of his story, which is so powerful. So. Uh, Peter, I'm just so grateful that you would take the time to talk to us. And uh, I'm, I know that the guys that got to listen to this, I know as I have been, have been so impacted. I just want to say thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Man Camp Podcast. We just want to encourage you that you have what it takes. And so wherever you're at, um, you know, I think one of the biggest lies that the enemy wants to speak to you is to minimize who you are and what you can do. And as you just heard in this interview and the story, God, God can redeem and use any one of us in any way, no matter what you face, we can overcome. But in addition to that, we all have something to give. We all have something we can do and, and you're in the game and you have something to give. So thanks again for listening to the Man Camp Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Man Camp Podcast. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at mancamp underscore podcast. If you have questions from this episode or previous episodes, send them to mancamp at jesusculture.com. Finally, if you've been impacted by Man Camp, please leave a review for us on iTunes and help us get the word out. Thanks for listening to Man Camp. We'll see you next time.